Podcast World. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I'm your host, Kevin Valley, and today we are talking about the business of event management. My guest host today is a certified event planner, a trained broadcast announcer, a student of creative media production, Miss Celine Griffith. Hola, 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 hola. <laughs> Celine, how are you doing today? I know you had a lot of traffic today. Yeah, there's a lot of traffic when it's the season for that, so it's oh. all good. I'm fine. All right, all right. And our entrepreneur of the day, our professor today, the creative director, games creator, fun manager, team builder, Mr. Brendan Braffitt of Buzz Concepts. How are you doing, sir? Okay, um, I'm always good. Um, thank you for having me here today. So, you did a BSc in Econ for two years? Are you, are you a genius? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you started you start with some hard questions one time. Right? Um, okay, basically, when I was studying uh, in UE, I decided that I would do Econ because I was good at it. My best teacher ever was Mr. Elder. He was a foundation econ teacher for everybody who did wow. econ in my in my in my life. Right, so Mr. Elder, so he made me believe that I could be an econist. Going through the, the ropes of the math in UE became a nightmare because I was not good at math. Also, if I take a step back from UE, sure. when I was pretty young, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, and being diagnosed with dyslexia, only later on in life did I realize that. It was a disability. It was a real strange thing because I used to mix up my B's and D's. Right. Even my own name, I couldn't spell it properly when I was writing. That's okay, Dr. So, <laughs> and <laughs> the truth. And over the years, when I when I realized that it was a disability, because I told myself that most likely I'm going to become a garbage man or drive a truck or do something because I, I was struggling. I always used to come last in tests. Even I was in the A class, I used to come last in tests. You used to come last? At least you were in the A class? I was A class last. But I used to always sort of, why these people are better than me? Because I knew as much as they did it, but I just was struggling. So passing for secondary school was happy because in those days I had junior sec. So passing for secondary school was a success to me. I went Belmont Boys Secondary. And then moving on to A-levels at Polytechnic, where I met my girlfriend, at the time, who's my, my daughter's mother. Moving on to UE, we hooked up. And, well, my daughter was born around that time. Good job. And so when you talk about doing two years in econ, the story is, uh, yes, I did two years in econ, but I failed at econ. Because at that point in time, I was under so much stress with her daughter anyway, not knowing what I was supposed to do in life, wasn't sure what was happening. Enough. Maths was stressing me out. I basically said, you know what, um, let me try and get a bank job. Or something like that. And that was my, my only way out. But then I opted to do, um, I actually went to Bahamas and did a degree in tourism management, okay. which I excelled at. And it was easy breezy. Finally found something that was natural to me. And I enjoyed it a lot. Lovely, lovely. Sorry, so what happened after that? Is that's when you started, um, working at Island People? No, 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 no. It didn't, it didn't work like that. What happened is that with my tourism degree, I came back to Trinidad in 2003. And was part of a crew of people called the Creon Crew. Creon Crew. And yeah, the Creon Crew. And the Creon Crew basically threw a family day called uh, Crew Olympics. It incorporated uh, at the time the island peoples and the tribes and when they were all young back in 2004, I think. And that's where I got my foundation and a little introduction into event planning. But we were just a crew of people who used to go with a Creon 
in front of the stage and jump up. Just like what had Powder Posse and all these other oh, things. Yeah, okay, that was the, okay. the formation of the crew. But the crew had a positive vision in the sense of, at that point in time, bringing people together to raise funds for charity. And I assisted in producing that event. And that was one of the first elements of attraction into the event planning outside of tourism management. So how did you get inside? Because I know you used to do some events for, right. for governments and some political right. parties and all of that. After the Creon crew, I decided that, listen, this event planning thing isn't for me. I wanted to be part of this. So I enrolled at Arthur Lockjack High School of Business. I think it was 2005 or 2004, something along those lines, in the event planning program to get a certificate. So you actually did the program? Of course I did oh, the program. Okay, okay, okay. And in doing the program, I remember at that point in time, the courses that were popular for masters or something that was project management, mm-hmm. IT management, right. and all those lines. Event planning was totally not a subject of interest at all. So I remember going to my mom and saying, Mom, I want to do this course. It's $13,500. Would you support me in this? And she said, no, I, I'm only going to support you if you do project management. Event planning, this is not exciting and this is not something that would give you revenue in the future. Something along those lines. It was a hard, hard... That's all that yeah. you know. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, um, at that point in time, yes, it wasn't of interest. But of course, it was interest to me. My dad had given me money to buy a car. Contribution, because it wasn't enough. But it gave me a contribution, <laughs> which is what my dad's supposed to do. He's not supposed to spoil it and buy a car. Exactly. You understand? Yeah. So he um, helped me out a little bit and I took that money. And I paid for the course. And what happened after that was actually gate approved and I got the money back. So you bought your car? No. That is the money that <laughs> I actually used to invest in those concepts. Ah, love it. So I, I didn't get a car then. <laughs> but I noticed you did CISA, which is a project management um, Right. I did, uh, right. Well, I did CSCP uh, studies in the States. But that was after I got the certificate. Oh, okay. Closer to, I think it was 2010 or 2011. Because I remember when I was doing the event management at Arthur Dog Jack, one of my that colleagues told me, he's like, why don't you just do project management? Because he was doing the CSCP, the CSCP, it's not CPEPA podcast. So he was saying, you know, it's a broader, you know, you get a wider scope of that and all this kind of thing. So I'm like, but I think that even if I do the event management, I can still get into project management right. eventually. I don't think there's any barriers there because you did, you know, a specialized no. course. The course at, um, <clears throat> the course at Atalog Jack, which is something I actually teach now, at that point in time was one of the only courses in the nation that provided a foundation in event planning. Yes. Where you went through the, the basic courses of starting and growing your own company, best practices, corporate event planning, risk management. These were courses that at the end of the day, no one was actually teaching you what to do or even giving you theory of what to do. So this was a wake-up call for me now because coming from a party promotion or a little hype group mm-hmm. that promoted a little family day to now being in, involved in this, it was like a wake-up because it was a yeah. total new idea. And we were, of course, now introduced to different companies and the pumping company at the time <laughs> that was doing magic on the road or magic in producing events was Island People. And so that's what I wanted to do. I said, if I'm going to be good, if I'm going to be great at some point in time, I need to work with the great people. So every time I passed by the building, I remember telling my daughter once, I said, I'm going to work there. Every time someone mentioned the word Island People or the name Island People, I used to be excited about being part of their team. And 
it so happened that they called our class and asked for volunteers for Tasty and Tea. And I was the class rep. Now, being as proactive as I am, they asked for a few things. They asked for t-shirt sizes, names of people who could volunteer, and all, that's a few things. But in 20 minutes, I had the list for them. The lady who called me to her, to her sister, her name was Cindy Howe, and she became almost the key right. for that lock for me to get into island people. And from there, their introduction to me, because again, remember at this time, it was the first time I ever paid to study, because my mom was a, my mom is a lecturer at UWE. Okay. So at that time, so I actually got to go UWE free. Now I'm spending my own money to study. Believe me, I'm taking it serious. Yeah. Believe me, yeah. my money. <laughs> it works, it works like I, yeah. So, so now, now that be the case, I lead in the class, I pass in every test, studying everything, volunteering everything. So the dyslexia was not an obstacle anymore. Over time, no. I, I think when I realized that I actually got this um, diagnosed, it now became an empowerment. It was almost like I'm, I'm supposed to be disadvantaged, but I'm as equal as you. I'm as good as you. Now, even some of my proposals that I write, if I don't get them better. They might have something wrong with them, and I like I, I want to tap myself all the time because I feel that I've overcome it, but it is not. Just it's not happening. So I still have to spell check, go over everything, read everything backwards sometimes, that kind of thing, in order to ensure that my documents are on point. But what happened is when you find, and this this happened to me, when you find something that really lends itself to you. You know, people say you know find your passion, and I believe it to some extent. I believe sometimes things find you. So event planning found me. I didn't go running behind event planning. I basically got slapped in the face with this. <laughs> and I have to accept the fact that this is where I am now. I'm an event planner. Good. I'm a producer. That's good, that's good. It's interesting that you're able to kind of speak it into existence, you know, right. that job at Island People. Mm-hmm. You know, but you didn't spend very long there because, I mean, you you eventually opened Buzz Concepts. Now, let me show it this way. I did spend five years to the day at IP. But what I did is the same week that I joined Island People, the same week that I got my first job at Boss Concepts. Really, it was a, a moving time. And it's a very strange time. Arthur Logjack was the first company I worked for, officially, to make money. Everybody else I was working for, freelance and getting a little payment. But Arthur Logjack was first Boss Concepts production. And that was the school that I attended. The year before, I attended a family day and sorry to say but the army produced it and I was not impressed. They were so serious and rigid, they didn't have fun. So I went to the coordinator and I told her, I said, um, Gemma, that wasn't good. I could do a better job than that. And she said, You can. I said, Yeah. She said, Well show me. I said, Show you what? She said, Show me that you could do it. Get your team ready and do it. And it took honestly I, I deliberated. One week, two weeks. The week before the event she said, Brendan if you're not doing it, you can't make this money. I said, how much money can I make? She said, the budget is $10,000. I said, $10,000? I said, okay, good. Well, I'm going to do the proposal and get this done. We did it. We borrowed a rope, borrowed some cones, got sponsorship from Monster. Wow. That was Monster Energy Drink at the time from yes. Carib. Thank you, Sarah Sebastian. And um, <laughs> we got that sponsorship and we produced the event for Atal of Jack. Only recently, I'm me feeling that that event has been one of like my best events ever. It was a real catalyst for excitement. We laughed, we fell down, we cried at producing that event. Did I felt, you really cry? Yes, we. I, I really don't know. At that event, I felt that we didn't realize that the spirit that we created and uniting people and having fun with them 
was so great. It was over the top. It was crazy in the sense of we were just doing games for people and we were feeling totally overwhelmed. And it was my cousin, my sister, and a lot of friends. And, and my girlfriend at the time. I wanted to know. Yeah, my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> okay, and you actually started the company with your girlfriend at the time. Yeah, I started the company with her. But initially I had to urge her into understanding that yes, it's a company doing... Because she, again, she was just assisting me. But she actually quit her job. And she quit her job a year before I quit mine. But she was more fed up with the corporate world. She was like, I'm, I can't wake up early enough. Like, I'm fed up with this. And right. so I want to do my own thing. And so that urged me into... So it started off with mainly sporting events. That's where, that's where that's, we were. You all are mainly sporting events. But even to even today, now? let me put it this way. What our new definition of what we do is that we excite brands, right? And turn the Monday into the memorable. So in exciting brands, yes, we do families. Yes, we do uh, team builders. Yes, we do uh, brand executions. And like what we're doing this weekend for Carnival, we're doing Doritos for Ampo. In Bacchanal Road, that's happening tomorrow. Nice. So yeah, so so if you so if you if you get a Doritos, it's because Buzz Concepts was the assistant to, to Amco in doing so. But this has taken a long way regards to our energy and excitement for novelty games, which I know I'm confident is the new way in which brands now communicate. Brands communicate through games, and games tend to be the most exciting thing. That humans, that humans can involve mm-hmm. themselves in yes. that allow them to release their inhibitions and not be too serious about life. It gets you in a zone where you are actually enjoying life. And Ex- this is what games do. Except if you're playing um, like you a Pictionary with your family. And and yeah, and except, you might... except if you're losing. <laughs> and, I mean, if you have a good sport, it's okay. But people hate to lose. And that's why, yeah. that's why where I sit where I am. I can tell you straight off that I don't even play games. Mm-hmm. I'm a games producer, but I don't play because I'm very competitive. <laughs> very, very competitive. I hate to lose. And when I do play, like I think about what I could do, even in instances where I could cheat. But that's just me <laughs> on a personal level, right? So <laughs> I can edit that out. <laughs> I'm the worst person to play against. Ask anybody. I'm the worst person to play against in anything. From pool to any game, uh, any game. Even running, I'll run against a child. And that child will never beat me. So aggressive. Your ex-girlfriend, she's still in the company. What happened? What happened? Well, it's a... No, no, You're buying the market. No, no, it's not. This is okay. It's okay. The thing is, um, we parted ways in 2000. And I think it was 2013 or 14. That's life. Right? Which is good. Which is good. And the thing is, in a relationship and business, relationships and business are hard. People, don't, people say, you know what? I'll team up with my girl or I'll team up with my significant other and produce this. But when you produce together. You're in each other's face. Our events happen on weekends. You don't get time to be in a relationship. You're in a business. And so, let's say, for example, the NIS didn't get paid. And it's like, hey, you, you pay the NIS? It's like, no, we didn't. Oh, no. I don't think on that night I would have been excited to go cinema because we, we just paid a penalty. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So, gotcha. it's, it's really an issue with regards to the separation of the person from the situation and the maturity needed, I didn't know if at that point in time I had the maturity to do so. I was so driven, so driven. You know, I told myself I was going to get rich or die trying. I used that 50 cent anthem. I was doing it. Didn't exercise. Didn't go anywhere. Missing birthday parties. Families couldn't call me. Not answering my phone for anybody but a company. I was so focused that I, it was crazy. 
I say only even after the breakup is when I started to realize Brendan, you need to start to live. And so it was a wake-up call for me. And when you talk about business, and a lot of people say that, you know, they'll team up with somebody to do business. But if you don't take a day, like if you don't say, you know, Tuesdays become my weekend, most likely you'll get a business but you'll lose a relationship. Yeah, matter of sacrifice. It's a matter of real balance. Yeah. So balance is the key, and I'm only now discovering that. Well, past four years. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm much better than now. Brandon, you have customers, governments, corporations, banks, medium-sized companies, large private companies. You kill it, right? You kill it. You actually doing between 50 to 75 events a year? Yeah. Well, it's really what you call it an event. We would do games for unit trust on a Thursday, like their customer service appreciation day. It would be in four branches, one in Tobago, one in South. Because of that one event. But on the weekend, we'll do a family day on the Saturday, and we'll do another one on the Sunday. We might do a church, and at the same time, we might do an execution for FCB. And it varies from small to large, especially for the family days. Moving into Christmas, we do kids' Christmas functions. And so when people ask me, how much events do you actually produce? We produce events through Carnival. For example, right now we're working with Angus to run their Salesman of the Year Awards, where we are doing uh, awards and giving them out on a cruise. So the awards is happening on a cruise ship. On a cruise. And then we are docking and they're giving out more awards on land when they finish having dinner. It's exciting and different. You know, those kind of things that we add in new dimensions to corporate functions that have not been done before. So it's engineering excitement into brands and that's something that we really, we've been stressing and be happy that some clients appreciate that we've added this new kind of energy yeah. to what they're doing versus the mundane. So how about Buzz Concept? How do you with that name though? Oh, it's a nice story. Yeah. A lot of the only things are nice stories. I tell stories, you know. Um, <laughs> you listen to them. It's good stories. I can get some Buzz Concepts, there was a girl in my class and in Artolog Jack called Onika. Onika Edwards. She's a makeup artist now. Yes, I know that name. Right? Yeah, She's yeah. a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And me and Onika sat down in the car on Independence Square Day, because she was working in the Ministry of Social Development at the time, I think. And we sat down in the car and we were discussing about names to name our company, because me and Onika was going to form a company together. Uh-huh. Yeah? What was the company? What you Buzz Concepts, we were going to form Buzz together. Okay. Okay. Right? And Onika, we were coming up with names and I said, you know, Buzz is good. And at the same time, I was, in, of course, interested in working island people, island people, island people. Right, Two words, right? right? <laughs> so it was Buzz, uh, you know, Buzz something. And it, island people at the time also had a company called If Concepts. Yes. Okay, yeah. Right? And I always liked the word Buzz. Then I said, you know what, let, let me come up with this name. It was so cool that when Joe Goldblatt, because I attended TTHTI master's class, yeah. and... He asked me to stand up and I, I mentioned, I said, so where are you from? And I said, well, I said, my name is Brendan and my company is called Buzz Concepts. He said, that sounds like an international name. And it sounds like a company that has been around for a million years because it sounds so rolling off your tongue so quickly. Yes. So a lot of times over the years, the businesses have formed, which is Buzz Concepts, Bastards, Green Thumb, and a few other companies roll off your tongue like, like if it, they were always around. So that's the kind of thing that I've been able to do. Or another company I had put us as was a cleaner crew. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. Yes. So it's a double word that relates it to... Sticks, it's it sticks. It's like so yeah. quick off, your, off yeah, the top of your head. Yeah, yeah. So that's the names yeah. that I've been able to give yeah. companies. Because I noticed that on your website, you have all these 
bee-type thing. So I was just wondering if it... If it linked up... No, 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 no. If it sting like a bee... No, 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 no. When... Like what my sister says. My sister always say that I overwork. Okay. Like I... From one project, I go to the next. We always busy. We always busy. And that tends to be what we are now. You never sit still. I don't think we should. Because in, to be in this dynamic industry is change, and that is ever changing from technology to information to yeah. demands from clients. You gotta be busy. So, yeah. So, what's the size of your team like? Because uh, you don't have so many events going on simultaneously. So, the size right. of your team, how you manage that? Well, I was telling Kevin earlier that my core team in office is five people. And this has changed over the years. Back in 2014, at about seven persons working. But again, with now the economy and economy changes, you have to downsize to be efficient, but not kill your overheads right. with regards to staffing costs. And my team is five persons. We have an accountant, an office manager, me, and we have driver, and a few other people who are always there, like my students who are in tunes that operate from UV right down the road. So they're always in the office. The thing is, because the core staff is very dynamic, Somebody could come on the day and like sit on my desk and work. So when it comes to the core team, it's like that. But outside of that, we have 85 people. From doctors, to consultants, to people who are specifically into health and safety, to all these different areas Great, that work with us. I was about us. to ask you, in terms of the types of clients that you have, yeah. how do you know how to tailor what you're doing? So yeah, you the, just the, answer my question. No, I, I hope I did, but yeah. let, me, let me go a little further. We have worked with people over the years. Our foundation team branched out into their own specific areas. So one guy studied risk management and health. He is still a Buzz Concepts member. And when people call for an event that needs that specific skill, we just call on him. He worked Buzz before. He understands that we pay well. He has a good relationship with us. We call him and he's part of the consultancy team. In addition to that, he may doc work two days out of his work day. Or he may leave to work yeah. with us and become an active consultant with us. So people don't leave Buzz Concepts. The pool of resources of people that we could reach for is so grand. Even my past mentors assist us in writing proposals to win bids. It has been such a great experience in incorporating all these different people to create this large company, a small, large company. Yes. Because when we need 45 staff to produce, let me give you a weekend. Ministry of Works and Infrastructure, um, Ministry of Environment, a Mango Festival. All these things happen at one weekend, something like that. And one required 45 staff, the other required 10. And we were producing from Saturday to Sunday. And we did about four events that weekend. But they were four large events. Three events on one day and one the day after. I can't do that by myself. It's never me. And it was executed seamlessly. We don't have issues. But I can tell you, I can give you nightmares every year. We tend to have one event for the gods. For the we, gods? Yeah, we, you know how they, you, you sacrifice an event? One event, like we call it an event from hell. Oh, um, but I, I think uh, 2017, I didn't have that event. It didn't show up. 2016, it didn't show up. But let's say about 20, I think 2013, we had one of those where we were restricted from using the grass area in the stadium and everything had to be executed on the track. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Not for me. I wasn't even there. I was producing another event for the, uh, the PNM at the time. It was a youth rally. Okay. And came back to the city staff crying. I said, what happened to you guys? It was terrible. They were upset. 
So literally cry. Crying, yeah. So literally they called cry. you to say, okay, they we come have across, yeah, yeah, come back here, we uh-huh. need your, your assistance now. Yeah, so that was back then and that tend, tended to be one of our like nightmare events. But there's the experience in planning too. If you don't have nightmares, or you know what is good and what is bad. Exactly. If you don't do stupidness or make a mistake, how do you move forward? And so in business is also this attitude of failing forward. Fail a little bit, move forward with a good attitude. Learn from your mistakes, move forward again. This is the kind of mantra I've been applying. For the most part, I'm hearing relationships. So I know that's a core thing in terms of making yeah. events work. You have to yeah. have a good relationship with the people that you interact with, not just your staff, but yeah. your clients and everybody, all the stakeholders involved. So how do you maintain those relationships? I think I've been blessed with a little talent in linking with people and mm-hmm. keeping people close. Even though, let's say I'm, I'm upset with someone or have a bad experience with somebody, I think I've been able to be so open and tell them, listen, I'm upset with you. I will not work with you in a, again. <laughs> it is okay. That doesn't mean that we can't talk. Right. But with regards to business, this is not the way I want to go. That's the comfort level I have with people. And I have been doing so. The relationships I had, service providers, I've had the same 10 providers for the past nine years. Some providers are like family. Me and my doubles man, tight. I give his little son a, a puppy. How do you think he could send me? You use the same people over and over? Or I you go through a little tendering process too when no, you select it? My relationships were built already. New relationships do come when I meet new service providers. Right, okay. You see, in this industry too, it's also people feed off each other. Great vibes. Like I just did an event with um, Tim Tim, Karen Bulusing. Fantastic relationship. Disneyland? Yeah, Disneyland, mm-hmm. we did that. That's fantastic, fantastic relationship. And when you build relationships like these, and you're able to work with the person, you generally feel confidence in moving forward with them. For years, it's almost like a relationship, friendship. We're going to get all together kind of relationship kind of thing. You can feel it already. I've been blessed by this. So, there's a lot of competitors who produce events, who you can outsource to produce events, who corporations can outsource to produce events, right? How does Buzz Concepts continue to win 50 to 75 events per year from Um, these guys? Because sports days is assumed to be an easy event. People say, you know, you can easily throw it up. But what happens is that they tend to be very, very interactive. And you are judged not only by one or two persons as in a corporate function. You are what function? The core people would judge you because they know what you were supposed to do. But in a sports day, a guy playing football might be the accountant. He might be score goal and he might be upset by the, the referee's decision and he may not want to pay you your bill. So the, wow. evaluation, <laughs> the evaluation of our team on a sports day was the entire team. It was like almost like a 360 evaluation on us in production. So every time that we did an event, we had to improve for the other. From shaky tents when we used to rent tents a long time from certain providers to duty tables and all those things. And so when we started to produce so much, we had to learn. And by learning, oh, we got better. We got good. And by getting good, our bids started to get better. Our creativity started to channel itself into these bids. Let me give you an example. We were doing a bid for a company that asked for their theme was the melting pot. Nice. We went and get an iron pot, vegetables, everything, and put our bid in, like a bid in a memory stick, in a cucumber. Submitted it to the client and we won the bid. I'm aggressive with regards to winning bids. If I have to dress up in a costume, my animal costume, to win a bid for Sesame Street in Slumberger, 
I would do it and I've done it before. So that's a level of aggression for the bid is the same aggression that we execute the events with. We don't play. Why are we playing? No, no games I mean, we are no games to play. <laughs> Even though I do games, I don't play. No, no, I don't play when it comes to bidding and winning bids. And uh, on top of that though, it's also grounded by, we have NIS, we have VAT registered, we have public liability insurance. So the business side of it is organized. I have a trained accountant working with me, so my math's good. I've been working with the same bank over a period. It's so at the end of the day, it's not like if a company pays me 300000 to do an event for them. That I want to jump on a plane and bust out. This is what I do. It's now 13 years. So we have the experience to back up the statements and the production and that kind of thing. So yeah, we win biz because we bad. We bad at it. Better than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to give the listeners some practical advice now. So we want to go through the full cycle. We want to go from the planning stage, the actual day of the event, the actual production, and you want to go to the post-production. Okay. Now, I've been looking at your videos on Instagram. I know you have a nice um, hashtag event, Sips TT, right. where you keep posting little short clips, and it's, it's brilliant, actually. You know, it's like little 10-second clips. Too, right? Yeah, I mean, I took some notes. <laughs> right, very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You post some clips where you kind of give little tips here and there, then you're gone. You know, right. a quick tip and you're gone. One more today, right? Right. And I took a note of some of them, you know, you say, walk around with a Swiss army knife, walk with some duct tape, <laughs> right, some right. measuring tape, right. a notepad, a pen, right. and a phone charger. Right, right, right. No, no. These things... And get a panel van. Yeah. This is my event, right? <laughs> this is what I mean. This is what I mean. No, no, no. The panel van is, yes, the panel van is needed in the long run, but there's not one of those necessities where you go in on a side visit, you need a panel van to glue. But in planning events... <laughs> And this has moved away. If we continue that, that discussion of moving from studies at Artalog Jack into working for event planning company, the theory of event planning and the actual practical event planning are two different things. People don't understand that. Yeah. A person attending event will watch an event, see a stage, a lights, and flowers on a table and a centerpiece and believe that this could easily be done. Generally, persons have the confidence if they throw a little party that a little party could convert itself to a big party with regards to a snap of a finger. It does not work like this. A small event is a small event. A family garden is a family garden. But when you start to produce events for the general public or a corporation, it is a, a learning curve that carries you through steps that generally, if you don't have years of experience, you could do madness and you could really fail because large companies fail. So when you ask about pre-production, pre-production starts with, actually getting a proper document that asks you all the specifics of what they want you to do. So when a, a company comes to me and say, I want to produce a retirement function, their retirement function, if they don't identify what their objectives are and specifically say, okay, they want a fake sauce or they want a creme de la creme or they want a souffle or something else at any menu. If they don't say those things, they leave it up to me to decide. And I have to add that energy to their, their proposal. But in many instances, and organizations are getting much better at these RFPs. So yes. when they do get better at RFPs and tell me what to do, I'm better at producing what they want. Right. But still, remember that a lot of times, events are produced from person's dreams. A person would watch TV, see something fantastic. They would have a dream about what they want, even like weddings and yeah. function. And they want the producer to interpret their dream and make their dreams come true. Y'all, this is difficult. It is 
very difficult. <laughs> you understand? Because so, even though you're speaking on the same level, you think you're speaking on the same level. Sometimes your idea might, exactly, might not be the same. Exactly. So you might you might say, you know what, I want to have some cocktail tables. And I would say, okay, well, we let the staff meander through these cocktail tables as they reach the bar station to get their best. All of the steep mentally sounds good. But when you come on the day and it's not black and white, and it's sure. purple because we interpreted these dark colors that makes it, you know, yeah. that mismatch could easily happen. So when you talk about pre-planning, pre-planning is the RFP. And then do any necessary research from proper site visits. After proper site visits where you do an actual layout. And now it's almost industry standard to have a 3D layout. That is the next learning curve. Are you able to produce 3D layouts or you're just going to do it from the top of your head? That doesn't work. So when you do layouts, you have to go back and then you do proper programming from making sure that it has a risk management announcement right. to going through these steps and all the different steps and where the vote of tanks would be so that the event doesn't finish, inviting people to certain functions and elements of the event mm-hmm. to upgrade it. Because again, every event has a crescendo. Yes. And we must always capture the event at that crescendo to make it pop. <laughs> so that tends to be the excitement that we want. This is the energy behind it what you have to do for your pre-event. Now, the actual coordination. This is my experience. When you say coordination at this stage, you're talking about on the, the day. day itself. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. the actual coordination. Right. Yeah. No, no, uh, yeah. Game time. <laughs> but yeah, the actual coordination, I've realized, starts, and I use it as staffing to guide. So let me put it in staffing. We have five levels of staff producing an event. One, packing the van. So that's pre-packing to go on the venue. Then we have a venue setup team. Then we have a early morning and then event team that on the day. Then we have a breakdown team and then we have a packback team. And this is what people don't see. They say, oh, I can do this event. And before I had these five people, it was one team that did every element of this. They used to set up, do the event, breakdown. Everything was summarized. Into that. Now we have section it off that allows for people to live. Love to people to enjoy what they do because it was a nightmare in a sense. If you ask somebody to do all of this weekend after weekend, somebody's going to run away or they're going to crash into a tree or something along those lines because it's hard work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But what about like if your client comes to you and says, I want to do this at this venue and then you don't agree with that. How do you convince your client that? Right. You know, that kind of thing because sometimes people, as you say, they have their dream Yeah. and you as a professional, you would say, well, you know, I disagree. You know, you soften them up a little bit what happened initially, when I was a lot younger in production, I basically used to let clients tell me and guide uh-huh. me. As I got a little older, and a little more mature, and accepted my role, I became a little more adamant. Yeah, I believe they'll trust you, especially with your track record, they will trust yeah, you. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. So before, I think in some instances, I'd let clients bully me. to say, yo, it'll work, and I believe them. And then when I saw the nightmares, I was like, yo, I knew better. Now I've reached the point where I am confident enough to say I know what works. Yeah, because um, at the end of the day, it's your brand, huh? You but no, it's not only that. Well. I protected my brand, yes. but it's more along the lines of delivery because experience in events doesn't come overnight. Yeah. And that's what people feel. They feel that they could wake up tomorrow morning, order a birthday cake, bring it to a venue, the knife would be there, the candles would be there, the, everything would be there to make this epic. They don't realize that just delivery of that birthday cake needs formality. If you're going to do it really well, you have to have fanfare music. What about the lighting at the time? Who is going to cut the cake with? Are they going to sing in harmony? 
are we going to really stage this and make it more epic than it could possibly be? Because that's what we want. We want a simple task of producing an event to be so great, so magical, that it becomes totally memorable. And so, yo, this is where we at. Making me excited about event planning again. Yo, oh <laughs> be excited. You have me excited again. Be excited. I will not tell a lie. <laughs> no, events, events are, mm. when I tell people that events are life and talking about this coordination on the day, we ask employees to not bring their drama. And this is where I believe that event planners are superheroes. I always say it. When I did a, a lecture recently for Shine, it was a conference on uh, experiential marketing at Atalog Jack Rabbit School of Business. The people there was Dean Akin, Derek Lewis, and Jules Sobian from Caesars Army. Big boys. Yeah, they were big, a big cast. At that thing, I talked about the significance of being superheroes, about what we are asked to do and produce on a day. For example, if my dog had died on the morning of a big show, I cannot come and say, my dog died. I have to produce. No matter what is going on in your life, once you have a timeline and you have a show and the show starts, you have to produce. So we have to, in many instances, get into character. Seriously get into character to act. And we (laughs) we are behind the scenes. But even behind the scenes, you have to be in character. So I tell my staff, no brain drama. Understand your role. This is just for a short time. Whatever you have going on in your life, you will figure it out right after. But within this time frame, act your role. So that's what we do. Sounds like Walt Disney. Well, yeah. You know, because yeah, that's yeah. how they train their staff. You are a role player. You're not just staff member. Yeah, yeah. And so even when persons call the phone now, we changed most recently to now when people call, we said, welcome to the fun factory. <laughs> we are the fun factory. So we answer the phone with our tone. And people are like, oh, hi. Fun, what? Okay. <laughs> so if we said people, they don't know, and we add excitement to every conversation. That's what we want. We want to add excitement to every in- engagement. So that's the coordination aspect of it. Now, moving on, can I finish answering your question? We are pre-planning, coordination, and then the post. Post of the event tends to be where most Trinidadians ignore. When you leave an event, that's when the staff thinks that they need to leave as well. So you leave, and they say, well, my staff member says, you know, well, my cousin here, so I'll take a drop with them. As I know, we have to, <laughs> we have to close this event off properly. This is where... I'm pretty certain you don't say it like that. No, no. no of course not, no, no. You censored Yeah, yeah. This is, this is totally censored. Um, but hopefully, when in the future, when I write a little book, I, mm. I can make this theory come alive. But I believe there's a mirror effect. I believe what is done before, in the middle of the event, the middle of the event, like let's say the event is a six-hour event, at three hours into the event, what was done before must be done after. And the formality of what was done before must be done. So... Every time that you thank someone, every time you invited someone, you should thank them. Every time that someone came or, or interacted with you, you should follow up with that interaction. So the whole mirror is almost like you flip the event back. You flip the event back. And so if you had audited initially the amount of ice you needed, at the end, you must audit how much ice you used. Simple things, yeah. but it's yeah. just a total mirror of it. And so the end of the event becomes a total way in which we evaluate. And we evaluate to the extent that we really try to solve future problems. We don't evaluate and pat ourselves on the back. And I think that's what happens in Trinidad a lot with productions and people who fail at producing. And I think in their little teams, they are back patters. That's what I call them. Everybody, hey, hey, we did well. And they judge the event by just attendance. 
a few things went wrong and we, we then tend to not focus on this simple thing. Like the ladies' bathrooms had no, no lights or toilet paper and we just say, okay, that's okay. We'll fix that next time. But it's not a serious diagnosis to say, who was responsible? Why this didn't happen? Should we not pay this person? No, should we discount this person payment so that they understand that this was a delivery and all these other things are so critical. Savage boy, but no, totally no, agree no. So, so that we, yeah. at the end of the day, so that at the next event, it becomes better. This is what I tell people. You all know how to play drafts, right? Drafts? Yes. Yeah. You all remember how to play cheeky bets? A little bit. Cheeky bets is where you, you give away and you try to lose as fast as possible. Like you, it's the opposite to drafts. Right. Remember cheeky bets? You know, I just check cheeky bets, right? No, I don't. I want to no, know. No, no, no. The reason why I say it though, I'm um, use this analogy yes, to yes. say in life, mm-hmm. I don't play cheeky bets. I don't play to lose. I'm not on that. That's not the kind of games I want to play. And so, I play drafts, I play to win, I want a king all around. And so, in that approach, <laughs> but the, the, point I'm making, <laughs> the, the point I'm making though, is that to say that if you really want to produce great events, if you don't concentrate, just like you concentrate on your decor, don't concentrate on your evaluation in the same way, you're not going to get better. You're not going to produce great events. You're not going to get the heartbeat that you want. I can tell you, we produce events and some instances I have to pull aside and cry. I did it at once. Let me tell you when. I find I, the real like to cry. No, crying, cry. crying is even, no, crying, crying is cool, but I'm not, I mean, I don't cry in front of people. Right. The, the thing is, when I did, I did Kessoka Monarch production when he won for what Right. Right, we teamed up with him. We came off, it was rather mm. very funny. I was talking to one of his dancers and I said, you know, if I was Kess, this is what I would do. And we wrote down on a napkin, you know, right, you know, on a napkin magic, wrote down on a napkin what, what we would do. I said I would get Lord Nelson to come because he's the king of whatlessness and I would get the two fat girls to come and jam him in the middle of the stage. All these different things. And she said, I'm going to call Kess. I said, you go, you go and call him? I said, yeah, I'm going to call him. Kess came 15 minutes later. We were at the Bocas downtown Port Spain at the time. He came, drinking some punching, <laughs> talked about whatless performance and we actually, at that point in time, signed a verbal contract for me to produce the event. We produced it and he won. So imagine me, simple media saying, you know, there's a little idea I have. And then someone placed any confidence in me to produce the event. And then when clearing that he won, in the car park going to my car, oh boy, you don't think I'll break down? I had a cry. I had a breakdown. Right now I want to cry. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it was so cool. It was so cool that I, I felt at that point in time, and I think that was back in 2013. At that point in time, I was like, this is the magic that you can produce. This is what you can do for people. Yeah. This is where you can carry an uh, idea and you can use your ideas because somehow you seem to be blessed. So take your ideas and don't be afraid to channel them into positive things and do it. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and I have a team of people doing it with me. So it's not me. I always talk about team because I believe that I can't do anything without them. I'm just the front and the mouth and but when you talk about the hard work being done and the guys putting up trusses and putting on banners and setting the cocktail tables right and trust is that um silver the aluminum yeah the aluminum right. thing. Yeah, right. Right. So we have those things. And we over the years too, we were talking and maybe after this we could talk about the business of events because the money behind it. Because a lot of times people feel that it's so easy to make the money. But closing off and answering your final question of evaluation. If you're doing good evaluation, you're going to get better. And that's it. The hands down. Yeah, once you stay true to it. Yeah? Lovely. So I wanted to kind of send a message here to your patrons. A lot of time in customer service, you never really get a chance to tell your patrons or your clientele, your customers, like, oh gosh, how about you do this 
to make my job easier so I can serve you better. Oh. Right? So I want you to sign like a PSA oh. to your patrons. Well, the thing is, a lot of the companies that we work for and have worked for over these years are getting much better. Everyone is getting good at writing these RFPs. Yes. And so remember, we operate in Trinidad where there are no set standards for documents. So even from the ministries, there's no set document for a ministry tender. One ministry will send this, this ministry send that, everybody <coughs> sending different things. There's no standard, standard document for a corporate tender. These are things that generally, because there's no template, they tend to be varied approaches. I would say it'd be really nice, and this is not for me. I don't talk about me. I don't talk, when they talk about industry things, I don't talk about football's concepts. I talk about for the entire industry. Right. It'd be really nice when people set their budgets and they do a tender and they say, here, this now. We can't spend more than $100,000 on this event. Could you bid for this with this budget? You see, what it does is give us, the producers, parameters to work with. But when I am tendering and I'm bidding, open bid, and you ask me to be creative, I go in and give you the world. You tell me I bring the Statue of Liberty here for you. But the point I'm trying to say is that could cost two, $5 million. My bid will totally get thrown out because I am not being practical. Yeah. So what companies need to do is help us out now. Help us out, at least give us some guidelines with your budgets. Because right now, our budgets change. Budgets for 2013, 14, 15, 16 don't exist anymore. We have now the, 50, the, the 2015, 16, and 17 budgets, and even less in 2018 because people confuse us in what to charge and what to pay. And so, tell us you have $30,000 and you want magic. But don't tell us to bid, open bid, where you know we're going to bid $250,000 when you only have $20,000. They talk about a chalk and cheese or um, a champagne taste and Bobby mouth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are the kind of things that we want to make sure that makes sense to us. Yes. Yeah. That's very important. Who would you say is your major competitor? Oh, that's that's nice. Firstly, I think my my major competitor is me. It's sad, but I know. And but, a smile no. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I like but, the sound of that though. But I I I I, I, I am yet Santi Manite. <laughs> Da, 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 da. No, I am. I, I think I am in the sense of I started to accept the fact that I can't do it. And I, I need to tell people no. It reached a point where I was telling everybody yes and doing everything for everybody and all over the place. It, it changed my life in the sense of I wasn't me. I didn't have time for recreation, no time for exercise, no time for family or friends. And so I've learned now to fight a little better and say no to certain people, especially people who I assume could easily waste my time. Projects that I generally can't make money off of, for business-wise, I opt out of. And others that I feel emotionally involved in, like say, okay, I'll do this for free or be excited about it and do it. But I think that is something that personally has been a challenge for me. So I am my main competitor. I'm not competing with people locally. I mean, there are plenty of great people though. I appreciate all of them because, again, what I see they do becomes fuel for my engineering. So I don't compete. No, it's impossible to. Because people are great. Let them be great. It's what the client wants. If they want me, they'll choose me. In a sense, so it's not necessarily competing with them. I'm competing with me so that at the end of the day, I can please the client even more. And honestly, be judged by the last event because the last event is how good I am. Hopefully the last event is not going to be an event for the gods. Boy, if that's how it is go, being a member, you had to go down to go back up. Yeah. So if you're positive yeah, yeah, enough, you're going to be okay. Good point, good point. You mentioned that you've learned from a lot of people over the years. Yes, yeah, on veterans' ways. 
So who would you say is your, your main mentor and why? It's true, and I've always given them the pips. Um, it's Derek Lewis from Island People, who is a, they call him the grandfather of event planning in Trinidad because he's now producing for over, what, over 45 years, 40 years, bringing his brand from New York to Trinidad. And I've been schooled by Island People for five years. And Dean, his brother, was schooled by him as well. There's lots of people, but I can't give him any total tips because, again, take a village to raise a child. And I've been raised by a village of people, of great people. The Lisa Ghanis, the Kathleen Maynards, Sean Burkett's, the Tanya Gomes, the Richard Watsons. All these people were all part of this school of event planners who generally were part of my schooling. I'm still learning from even the young producers, the Adrian Chandlers from Strictly FX, Jules Sobian from Caesar's Army. I am learning from them. But remember, my approach, my approach is different. I am humble enough to accept the fact that, yes, they do things different. Yes, they do things magical. This is where I appreciate their involvement in my life. And I'm happy to be part of this mecca of event production in Trinidad. We are now, I think, we are the capital of events. The mecca. Yeah? We are the, we are the, the, the mecca of events, yes, for, for the Caribbean. Right? We are the party capital. The party right. republic. And so, this is exciting. All these persons, yes, Derek was one of the critical persons, but yo, everybody, boy. Everybody seemed to be so nice to help and school and guide and, and I'm still getting better. When I decide to retire, at that point, I'm going to be real bad. But in the interim, I'm still getting better, you know? Uh, that brings me to my next question in terms of, you, you spoke about some really significant people in our event industry. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, you know, you have people coming up wanting to get into the industry and they just don't know how to enter. Right. I know networking is a very big part of it, but how do you... For want of a better expression, rub shoulders with these people. Not brown nose. Not no. brown nose. <laughs> but they no. have some brown nose in, but... The thing though is, and a lot of young people now don't understand what pain dues mean. They feel like coming out of school, doing two events, and even if they get to meet these people, interacting with them, qualifies them to be excellent. Remember, a lot of people who work for me are younger people. And I'm 38 now. Yeah, young so, yeah, I, Well, I don't know. I, I, I confuse as in where I am. I'm still trying to, if I'm young or old, because I feel like I'm getting older. Because, uh, because I'm in business, Stop. I feel I have to be a lot more. Mo- <laughs> oh, I feel that. No I feel because, I, because I'm, because I'm in business. You're 26 old. 22. You look like 22. Because, but, but being in business, you have to be so mature that sometimes I question if I'm much older than I am because of the kind of situations I'm placed in. So I have to be so adamant and not be, like moved and emotional about situations. But in telling young people and guiding them, a lot of young people feel that just by doing, they're doing good. Just by doing, you tell them, um, do, do a side visit for me. They feel like just going on the site and standing up means that they, they're there. Because they're there, is good. They're not coming back with notes. They're not coming back with pictures and documents and ideas and to solve problems. So I'm saying more and more for those persons entering the event industry, study, study, Read, listen to podcasts like these. (laughs) (laughs) Do things that, in essence, makes you strong. Have your foundation well laid. You can't produce events and you don't know. You haven't read an event dictionary before. You don't know what hype and drape is. You're confused. When people ask about a plant cluster, is it not putting one plant down? Is it five plants I need to put? You need to know about all these different things. Yeah, but if someone knows all these things and they come to you, 
if someone knows these things, mm-hmm. they're skilled and they want to enter the industry, mm-hmm. volunteer, do things for free. I agree. Yeah. Listen to one hundred and fifty-two percent. Listen, the event industry can't pay everybody. In fact, exactly. the pay that you get in the event industry is a labor of love, because no one could pay you for your ideas, your creativity. Right. Really, pay you. You have to do this just to be happy. And so, most of the producers I see, from the mass men to big producers who produce large shows, I'm not sure if they all make a profit. But people do it because they like they it. Like it, yeah. To do it for that. If you really like it, you will lend yourself to the industry. And when people see your skill, that's when they say no. So it gets around. Listen, I, I say it all the time. I would do what I would do for people for free. I just have bills. <laughs> and I have employees. And I have insurance to pay for. And groceries to buy. And dog food to buy. And But if I didn't have to do all these other things, I would be producing events for free any day. No lie. Because I love it. Yeah, it's part of me. Yeah, it's part of me. It's part of my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? So do you follow up on the economics at all? Well, the, the thing too is... Or do you have any second thoughts? It's like, I don't know, you won't have second thoughts because you're so passionate about what you're doing. That no, 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 yeah. you're right. No, I do have second thoughts. Talking about like closing business and that kind of thing. Oh, no, that happens all the time. In being a businessman, and remember, I am an entrepreneur. I also work in my company. So it's not like if I am away from the company, I am watching to see their performance monthly. I am actively involved in the engineering of uh, producing of events. So I'm a technician as well as a manager, as well as an entrepreneur, performing all three roles within my company. Right. Right? Because I have to do that. It's very difficult to put all the elements together. It's, it's not as easy as it is. Right. Now, you know, sometimes you're wondering, if, am I doing the right thing here? No, I, yeah. I feel in some instances, like I remember... I, I call my mentor sometimes and say, hey, I want to get out. So I remember I said nothing recently. I said, hey, December looking hard. What's going on? He said, well, what's going on with you? I said, I don't know what's going on here. Well, corporate not saying anything, you know? He said, I have a big responsibility. He said, where you are positioned as a corporate producer, you can't jump out. You have been lecturing to, I've lectured, honestly, guys, to over a thousand people. Yes. Over the, in these past six years at that lockdown. I mean, a oh. lot of people jumping onto that program, and you, you know that there are other programs like it in yeah. other schools, but this one I think is very, not that we put enough plug for Arthur Lockjack here, but experiencing it myself, right. I think it's very comprehensive. It really addresses every aspect of yeah. event planning. And, On a theoretical and, level, which yeah. is good. Yeah. But when you out there, and let's say you have, let's say two staff members supposed to arrive on time, it is so critical for them to reach that the client may not pay if they don't reach. Let's say they're supposed to reserve tickets for pan semis that happening tomorrow. You're supposed to reserve these 40 seats. And they stuck in traffic on the Ladyum. The people are there. There are no seats. That kind of thing. These things, not that it would happen to me. Uh, try not to make it happen because that's what we have to do tomorrow for a client. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in essence, situations like these make you feel that you need to, like, remember Street Fighter? Yeah. Uh, all you get like give somebody oh, a, oh, yeah, yeah. or give somebody a spin kick or something like that yeah. no it's a me- mental violence that's something that happens to me I mentally get violent because I feel that like, listen what could have gone wrong what could have gone wrong because this is so simple to do arriving on time is simple to do and so in instances like this you, you study who should I have who should I give up to is you or you who's, who's really wrong and it's so Yes, it's speaking violence, but it's not actually acting it yeah. out. 
But this is something that you question because remember you are working with a human element and human resources in 2013 and 14 was my wake up call. It was the hardest thing that I've ever done. I've had to accept it that my staff needs to be properly contracted. They need to be properly compensated and, really paid, important, yeah. and paid for what they do based on what they do. So if they work the event or they work an event day, they work a day in the office and after office, they produced an event. The question is, did they go home to change to come back to work an event? Or did they, is it extra overtime? You understand? And all those parameters need to be worked out so that I know this is what I'm paying you for. And you know this is what you're working for. And there's no blurred lines because there are too many blurred lines in the industry because even the industry is young. Somebody could come and say, listen, I want to get $5,000 for working this project. And we have to now say, okay, did you clock your payment card? Did you? So we could actually know how much hours we're paying you for and what is your rate per hour. That's now the maturity in, in producing. Wow. Right then, right now there are people listening to this podcast Anchor with his suit on, the engineer with his coveralls on, your cousin with his glasses on. These guys are listening to this podcast. And ladies. These guys are listening to this podcast like, wow, I did not know there's so much that goes into putting no. on a proper event. No. So I think this has been some valuable content. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you very much for coming to the Cabin Studios today. Mm-hmm. Um, just one more thing. Where can people find you for bookings or for mentorship? Well, I'm easy to find. Basically, we are on, on Facebook, on Instagram, um, and buzzconcepts.com. And we're on Gmail, and you can easily email us at buzzconcepts at gmail.com. My phone number is available at 748 I don't mind the world knowing. And again, we tend to be open for bookings all the time. The thing is, uh, when people plan early, they help us out a lot. <laughs> um, again, we, we do produce miracles, but we prefer to, you know, that turn our water into wine kind of scenario. We prefer <laughs> yes. to order the wine. <laughs> we just prefer to order the wine because it's nice. turn it out, you know, to <laughs> promote it to wine. So, yeah. So, guide us accordingly and we'll be cool. Exactly. Is there anything we haven't covered that you want to leave us with? Okay, one last point, and I suppose in summary, is that events are not easy to produce from my standpoint, but they become easy over time. And the more experience you get in this industry, is the easier the events become. Your team, and I always say it, your team is the strength. They say the strength of a team is as strong as the weakest link. Right. Ensure that you don't have weak links. And even if you do, support them. Let your team members accept where their weaknesses are. Somebody a little forgetful. Somebody tends to be late. Work around those things because that is your team. Accept that that's your team and work with your team and believe in them. They would always produce and they would always shine. I am just the front of a large company of 85 people that have been benefiting from corporate Trinidad and Tobago. They have been blessing us, or yes, paying us, paying people. These people, so many people rely on me so much to pay their groceries and have additional funding to do their extracurricular and all these other things. Some people use it as most of my students who work with me. That is their money. Their parents pay their rent. They go to school. And Buzz Concept supports every other aspect of their life from their groceries to all their, their phone bills and all the other things. Nice. So when I say that I lose a bit, like let's say for example, I, I don't bid properly and I lose a bit. Yes, it affects my money, 
but it affects so much other people down the line from my sound guy to my tent provider to all these other people I've been working with so all these years. I feel like I have such a big responsibility to support. I'm, I'm talking about 85 staff, but I'm also talking about the staff of my service providers as That's well. Right. Because I am, in many instances, I'm the number one provider for my service providers. From a tent provider to a song provider, yeah. a few of them, I am their number one. So if I flop, we flop. So I can't. So in a sense, so those persons interested in the industry, accept your role, be serious about this industry. It is not a sidekick profession. It is a superhero profession. You are not the person on the side wanting, waiting for that call to jump into action. If you need me, call me. That's not the kind of approach we want. We are the people on call. We are waiting to make it happen. And so this is where I feel the industry is going. Trinidad is going to be fantastic at producing events. Five years from now, I can't imagine how large our events are going to be. We're going to probably surpass the rest of the world because of the steps that we are making. Again, we need to get better in certain elements such as risk management because we're flopping in that area. But outside of that, the excitement, the creativity, the energy, over the top. We're fantastic already. Just know tying in the loose ends. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something that we could use to bring in some tourism revenue or just extra revenue, right? Not only As that. As opposed to relying on pure commodities and all of that. Listen, when I become the Minister of Entertainment, when I become the Minister of Entertainment, when I become the Minister of Entertainment, I think when, when we charter planes of people to come just a party, it's going to be a different mindset because our revenue. We talk about tourism, we're going to be doing party tourism. Yeah. And that is the way to go. You talk about no sun, sea, and sand. Don't come for no sand. Come to drink rum on the sand. Oh, yes. You understand? <laughs> a different kind of mindset. And that is where we generally have to go. We have to accept it. Yeah. We say we want to produce oil. We do it banking and all these other. Let's do what we're good at. We're good at partying all year. Hands down. People can party like a trini. So let's let's produce these events and we have already with all the other brands we actually exporting parties. Let's continue, but let's start to import parties too. Let's import people to come and party here. I like the fact that you're talking about it from an industry level and not just buzz concepts. No. It's not like what you alone going to do. No, I was never yeah, I, movement. I, yeah, I would yeah. never talk about me. It's not about yeah. me. This is never about me. Yeah. It's about people like yeah. us and our culture and our values. We gonna ch- we change in the world already, you know? We are so so excited to be part of this journey. This is beautiful podcast. So I might cry. Let's cry. This thing is contagious. Podcast will Cabin Studios. We had a great time. We are out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the rest of uh, well, enjoy the rest of your podcast. <laughs>